I think we should clap for that. <laughs> that was a thousand Italian musicians um, creatively trying to convince the Foo Fighters to come to Italy to play a concert. So isn't that not very cool? They had one purpose for doing that. And it reminds me of today, because when we gather on a Sunday morning, there's over the couple of services, there's over a thousand of us coming here for one purpose. And that is to worship God through our music, through teaching, prayer, and communion. And I'm, I'm excited every Sunday that we get that opportunity to have a unique experience every week um, together. So welcome. I'm glad you're all here. My name is Cindy Vandermoss. I'm on staff here at church, and I'm really glad you're here. If you're new today um, and you'd like to learn more about Community Church and, and what we're about and how to get connected, at the end of the service, we have a Connect Lounge. The doors are shut right now. They will open at the end of the service, and there's people in there that would love to talk to you and help you get connected here at church. And today we have the kids are, are staying in the service with us up through fourth grade um, because it's a holiday weekend, so we get the opportunity to have them in here worshiping with us. We're really excited about that. Bobby Coverston is going to be teaching um, about music today, um, so we're very excited to have that experience. On your chairs, there's two things on your chairs. First one is the square piece, the budget affirmation ballot. A few weeks ago, we presented the new um, budget for the upcoming ministry season and um, warned you in a few weeks that we'd be voting on that. So today is very important that we get your um, vote. So we'll need you to do that before the offering. And then when offering comes by, can you just you can put it right into the offering bag. The second longer sheet of paper is a survey. And that is um, something that Troy would like you to fill out to help him understand our church body a little bit more as he's preparing for our next series. So the more of you that fill that out and give us that information, that will be um, help tailor the series. So uh, we'd love to have your feedback on that. So with that, I'd love everybody to stand up, greet everybody around you, and share what is your all-time favorite song. Well, all right, right? If, uh, if, the, uh, if a thousand people in Italy can get together and, and do a song, and mind you that that video, that included like, like 200 drummers, which that in and of itself is the fact that they were able to wrangle that many drummers together. Right, Danny? <laughs> uh, so we're, I, I figure we can have some participation like that, right? We got about 600 people in here, so we can, we can do that. So here's what I'm going to need you to do. We're going to do a song that might be new to all of you guys, and it's definitely a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, so you may not be able to sing along, but you can definitely participate. And so what you can do, and it's kind of got like a you know, swampy southern feel to it. So what you can do, I got this stage here that sounds really you know, big when I stomp on it. So you can just pretend that it's doing that. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to just go. 
You think you can handle that? Hey, all right, see? Uh, we're, we're taking positions for drummers on the, on the, on the music team here, so. <laughs> all right, so that's, that's your job, and then as you start getting familiar with the song, you can definitely uh, 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 sing along and clap along. So let's, let's do this. Okay, here we go, we're gonna need you. your head, weary sinners, the river's just ahead, down the path of forgiveness, salvation's waiting there, you built a mighty fortress, ten thousand burdens inside. love is here to lift you up, here to lift you high. Prodigal child, see the world start crumbling at the gates of glory open wide. On the straight and walked away, unspeakable things you've done. Your eyes on the mountain, let the past be dead and gone. So come, all saints and sinners, you can't outrun God. Whatever you've done can't overcome the power of the blood. If you're lost and wandering, come stumbling in like a prodigal child. See the walls start crumbling. Open wide if you're lost and wrecked again Come stumbling in like a prodigal child See the walls start rumbling Let the gates of glory open wide
open wide. Woo. All right, you guys are awesome. <laughs> oh, well, please have a seat, and we have this awesome um, opportunity every time there's a holiday to have our kids be included with us. And so where are all my kids at? There you are. Okay. <laughs> a lot of adults are raising their hands. Um, if you are uh, uh, part of our kids' ministry and just a, a kid in general, uh, why don't you make your way up here? We've got some blankets and stuff. We're going to hang out, and we're going to have a little fun together here. And so, I'm, I'm for real, not figuratively, like, actually, come on, come on up here. That's right. <laughs> Joel, you too, bud. Come on. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we we uh, we love you kids. We love having you part of our service. And how many of you? We'll let you guys kind of get in here and get settled. Awesome. We got a good group. So how many of you like music? Awesome. How many of you, now this is the truth be told, how many of you might be known to sing and dance a little at home? <laughs> now, I don't want to embarrass my boys too much because they're sitting here, but I know that they like to dance. They like to uh, dance. And in fact, Zachary, our, the, the youngest, who's, he's in the nursery care right now, he has been known to unprovoked, out of the blue, all of a sudden start going uptown, funk you up, uptown, funk you up. And some of you might be judging me, saying, like, you're letting your kid listen to that? Yes. But they, 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 they love it. And, and the other boys, they, we love dancing around our house to music. And you know what's so cool about that? Is that God loves that you love music. That's part of the way he created you. And so when you sing and you dance and you play, God is smiling because it is the way he created you to be able to enjoy him and enjoy one another and enjoy life. Music is a part of our life. And in fact, if you don't believe me, in the Bible, in Colossians, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Now, if you're anything like me, when you hear words like teach and admonish, that may not sound very fun, right? But look at how we get to do that, by singing. By singing songs, we get to encourage one another with singing songs. And so here's what I want us to do. I want all of you to be able to lead all of these stuffy adults in singing and dancing a song. Because again, God rejoices over us when we sing. And so we've got some instruments here. So they all kind of have their own little function. Like this, you just, whoops. I'll keep this one. But it's kind of a, you know, like a drum. You can do that. And there's some sticks that you can clap together like that. This is kind of like a washboard that you, you, you do that kind of thing on it. And then some shakers over here. So everybody needs an instrument, okay? So come on up and grab an instrument. And uh, Harper and Stephanie are going to help pass some of those out. No fighting, please. <laughs> I told uh, I told our crew in the green room that all of these are going to turn into weapons anyway. So, <laughs> all 
And we're going to sing a song that you guys sang in VBS last year. And so Sylvia is going to sing this song for us. And so, hey, what are you doing sitting? You can't be sitting if you're going to be dancing and singing, so stand up. And let's show all of these adults how we can just have fun and singing a song and encouraging one another with the truth of what God's word says. And so why don't the rest of you, why don't you guys stand up too, and we're going we're gonna to sing this song.
Hey, let's give these guys a hand. And why don't you, uh, yeah. Okay, let's put our musical instruments back in the baskets, and then you guys can go back to your uh, seats with your parents. And, and uh, thanks for hanging out and making that really, really fun. And the rest of you can have a seat as well. And uh, we're going to uh, just engage in some conversation here around music. Uh, John Foreman of Switchfoot says that music is conversation, that we we're able to enter into some topics that might normally not be easy to get into, but when we're using music, we can. So even in that first song that we sang, you know, we're talking about, hey, sinners, come back home. And just saying that from the stage might almost evoke some reaction of like, whoa, easy, buddy, on the sinner talk, huh? But in the context of music, it gives us that privilege and freedom and, and platform to be able to get, engage in conversation. And so to talk about uh, music, we need to uh, first look at a few things. So Kurt Vonnegut has this quote, which is really cool. If I should ever die, God forbid, let this be my epitaph. The only proof he needed for the existence of God was music. Now, some of you might be sitting in here saying like, well, that's great for you music types. But I would beg to differ, and I want to challenge you all to say that music affects all of us. Music demands some response and some reaction. We are all drawn to and affected by music. I'm not saying that everybody is a musician, but we all are connected to music in some way and somehow. And to prove it, all you need to do is watch a movie without the soundtrack. And it loses its feeling. It loses its momentum. And to kind of, so to kind of you know, paint that picture here, let's just have a little bit of fun. Imagine if you were able to pull the music out of some of the current you know, pop culture things. Uh, so I think most of you probably recognize this song, but it just feels a little different without music. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say. Sunshine, she's here, you can take a break. I'm a hot air balloon that could go to space. Yeah, look out, okay. Maybe by the way. Huh, because I'm. Uh, <laughs> if you feel like a room without a room. idea you get, you get the idea it just loses it loses its impact everybody knows that song and loves that song you watch that and you kind of like you can't like get into it you're just kind of like oh that's that's awkward and weird because without the soundtrack to what's happening we don't get to connect to it and so that's why I'm here to say that music is a part of all of our lives whether you want it to be or not and so how do we as a church begin this dialogue about music? And the first place that I, I need, I think we need to at least discuss 
is in this area of worship. Now, on a separate day, on a, you know, sidebar conversation, I can get on my soapbox about this, and that's not what I'm here to do right now. But I feel strongly that worship is not music. So many times in culture, at least in Christian culture and churches, we, we say things like, hey, the worship was great today. And I don't know what that means. Because, and I don't call myself a worship leader because I can't do that. I can't make something happen in you to make you worship. So I can't lead you down that. That is the job of the Holy Spirit alone. So I'm going to let him do his job. And I'm going to do my job of creating music that hopefully points us to worship. And it may sound like semantics. It may sound like, you know, but it, it's, it's important. So when we talk about worship, we need to have a collective definition that we understand what we're talking about. So that when we include music in that conversation, that we're able to have it in its rightful place. Music is one of the best tools that we have that can point us to deeper places of worship. But it is not worship in and of itself, if that makes sense. So our friends at, uh, at Journey Church which is where all sons and daughters came from. Remember, they came and did that night of worship. This is right from their website. And I just loved it so much that I felt like, okay, we can adopt this in our definition of what worship is. Here they quote this archbishop described worship this way, the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty. I love that. The opening of the heart to his love. The surrender of will to his purpose. And all of this gathered up in adoration. The most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable of. So, nowhere in here does it mention music. And I would even encourage you to go into your Bibles and go on like BibleGateway.com and just type worship in the Bible search, and there is not a single verse in the Bible that includes music. If you look up praise, you will find hundreds. And so, again, it may sound like semantics, but it's an important distinction to say, as you look at this definition of worship, worship is something so much deeper and so much more than a song. It is something deep within us where music can help access those deeper parts. Music can help us get to those things that we, the inexpressible things that we don't have verbiage and language to say. Music can step in and be that for us so that we can experience worship in this kind of a definition. And when we fail to express worship, both privately and publicly, we live with a disrupted spirit. There is a nagging sense that something's not right, an intimacy lost, satisfaction fleeting, purpose and direction undiscovered. The expression of worship is the smile of the soul. I love that. So again, privately and publicly, we were designed to express our worship together like this, as well as in the quietness of our own heart. For some of you that kind of say like, well, I, I worship God in my heart. Great. We need to see that. <laughs> we need to be let in on that, that expression. 
because we were designed to do this thing together. And so with those kind of distinctions, we can now really enter in to what we're going to be, you know, traveling through over the next several minutes together. Because music has captured moments, uh, moments in time of this church body. So as we go through these next minutes together, I, I want to try to be specific to what God is doing here, what God has done here. And, and I will be the first to admit that I'm kind of subjecting you to my own observation of what I've seen, you know, from my vantage point here. Because I know that there is a, there's been times where a song has caught something a little different and brought voice to something that I think uh, uh, resonated with something larger in all of us and not just a, uh, oh, I like that song. Because I can remember it was about three years ago when we first introduced this song. And without really any introduction needed or training or teaching or, or rehearsal of practicing this song, people started standing and lifting their hands because they resonated with it. And I remember it very clearly when our church body together just started to sing. Shout it. Go on and scream it from the mountains. Go on and tell it to the masses. Let's go ahead and sing it together.
such a simple phrase repeated that ends up just tapping into something so much greater and the longing that we have to be able to scream it from the mountains. It's powerful how music can do that and, and capture, capture these moments, these moments that are beautiful. And so as we, as we look at beauty and being able to capture beauty and experience beauty, we need to have a dialogue about what that is because uh, as Victor Hugo says, music expresses that which cannot be said on which it is impossible to be silent. There's something heavy on my heart that has to be said and I don't have the words to do it. Music steps in and becomes that voice. Caleb Scogin is a, a musician that wrote this blog, and he was talking about this idea of experiencing beauty. What, what are we supposed to do with that as we encounter and experience beauty? And he says the recognition of beauty should be the means by which we are pulled into the reality behind what makes something beautiful. Um. And as humans, we're not made to merely be spectators or consumers of beauty because that makes us think that we can become a connoisseur and we might become a snob or arrogant in thinking that we have some ownership over this experience of beauty. But rather, we were not created to merely perceive or observe, observe beauty. We were made to live beauty. So what does that mean? We see beauty as something to consume rather than something to pursue. And he goes on to say that in ancient times, music was training to know God so that individuals would come to understand wisdom and live beautifully, to live in obedience to their creator and in harmony with their savior. And all of us have this desire for fulfillment, amen? We're all longing for something that's going to satisfy. Yet not all of us respond to the burden of living a beautiful life as one that is a sacrificial life. To be human as being made in the image of God, the imago dei, Jesus lived it. Suffering and sacrifice go hand in hand with this image of God. And in this way, our suffering and sacrifice become our joy. And he likens it to a piano player practicing scales. Those aren't necessarily fun, but they lead us and point us in that sacrifice to something beautiful. The purpose of beauty is not just to encounter beauty. The purpose of beauty is to help us live glorified lives through sacrifice. And we could probably spend the rest of our morning here answering this question, in what ways has sacrifice taught you about beauty? Because I know that there would be stories, heart breaking stories of loss that led them to some deeper places of appreciation of beauty, of relationships, of God, of faith, of you name it. And so we were meant to experience beauty in this self-sacrificing way. And one of the things that I, I, I love about this experience of beauty, especially when it is likened to sacrifice of giving of something of myself or exposing something that is painful or hurtful in me is that music often is the platform 
that gives us freedom to be okay with that which is broken. It's not very easy for us as humans to just walk up to another human and say, I'm broken, I'm in need, I'm a sinner, I need help. And yet another one of those moments that I feel like has been captured in, in our context here that I feel like collectively gave us all freedom to say, yes, I am broken and I'm in need and I'm a sinner. A song captured that and still does to this day. And I remember when Sylvia first sang it and you could just feel the collective exhale in the room. It's okay for me to admit that I'm broken. It's okay for me to say that I have doubt. And we experience that together. Will your grace run If I
Take something broken and makes it beautiful. And again, as I, as I think about how a song like that has set the tone for the trajectory of this whole church body. You know, one of our values is honest, dynamic relationships. And that begins with being able to say, I am broken. And when there's a song like that, that gives us that freedom to do that. It is just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, I know that there are, uh, uh, like I said, I'm subjecting you to some of my own per perception of the way things are and the way things go. And, uh, oh, I'm back, we're backwards here. Oops. Uh, well, we can jump to the, the yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. So in, um, uh, if we were to just take time, like I said before, and just start capturing stories, we would have so much fodder for making some beautiful music. Stories of tragedy and brokenness and faith and of inspiration, of God speaking and God delivering and God healing, as well as times of God being silent and God feeling distant and God feeling apart. All of those collectively make up the story of what's being told in this church body. Uh, but like I said, it's not just up to, to you know, my observation. Um, so I was going to have, Sylvia has just a, a, a unique story of what God did in, in her. So I'm going to let her tell that story. Yeah, um, music has definitely played a huge role in just my walk with God. Uh, and I, I think that through music, it's really been his way of grabbing my attention. Um, I'm so easily, like, I'm everywhere, my mind is scattered, and so I, sometimes I don't just sit down and listen and sit in his presence, but uh, sometimes he calls my attention through music, and so um, in just like uh, last month, or two months ago in July, um, he did this, and so I'll re I'm going to read you guys uh, a prayer that I wrote in my journal and then share with you a little bit um, of what God uh, spoke to me through a song. Um, okay. July 22nd, 2015. I'm feeling exhausted with anxiety. So often I feel this way and it's paralyzing. I'm supposed to lead this weekend and I'm afraid to even look over the music. I'm nervous about the future and decisions I have to make. I'm frustrated and sick of this pattern. God, I'm feeling desperate and empty and with little to offer. Take away this anxiety as I rehearse and make decisions. Be worshiped. And then it was probably a few days later where I heard this song that's called No Longer Slaves. And in the chorus it says, I am no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And when I heard that, it really struck me. And I realized that God was saying, look, slow down. I'm trying to tell you something. Um, you are no longer a slave to fear. You are my child. And uh, just hearing that, uh, being reminded of that is, is so freeing. There's freedom in knowing that uh, I'm a child of the God who made the universe and who wants what's best for me. And I don't have to live uh, feeling like anxiety is my master. And so um, that really struck me through the song. And so we're going to sing that, and it's, uh, it's really easy. So please feel free to join in as we sing.
With a melody You surround me with A song Of deliverance From my enemy Till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me been born again to your family your blood flows through my veins and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I'm no
Man, that song gets me. How many of you can relate to that in your own story right now? That fear has been driving the train for too long. And to be able to have a song that captures the victory that we have in Christ, to be able to say, no longer am I a slave to that fear. Oh, man, that's, that's powerful. Well, there's no, uh, no easy, easy way to transition into this. It's an awkward transition, but we're going to have those that help them with our first fruits come forward. And, and just a reminder, too, that as, as those uh, offering plates go around, um, to please turn in your, the budget vote ballots, uh, because we want to make sure that we get what's called a quorum. It's a majority of you to be able to say, yes, we're on board with uh, moving forward with this budget. So... Um, uh, so once you guys get in place, you can just you can just start because I'm gonna be I'm gonna be talking for a little bit here. And so as we continue in this conversation of the soundtrack of our faith, uh, we need to uh, talk about what our role is. What's our response and the church's responsibility when it comes to music and faith uh, moving forward? Igor Stravinsky said the church knew what the psalmist knew: music praises God. Music is well or better able to praise him than the building of the church and all its decoration. It is the church's greatest ornament. Troy has said several times from this stage, what if we didn't have this building? What if this building didn't exist? What would Green Bay Community Church be? Because we would still have each other in our gathering and we would still have our voice, and being able to praise God together and collectively. And Ephesians 5.19 says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. One of the things that uh, is, was new to me, kind of, you know, it's amazing how God can reveal things, uh, and somebody pointed this out to me, was, you know, we, we often sit in the round which many of you may or may not like. But the cool thing about it is that we get to live this because it says speaking and singing to one another. So when we sit in the round, we get to do that because you get to see each other kind of across the, the stage. Whereas in this setup, it's more of just you're looking at the back of heads, you know. And so we get to engage in that and singing these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And Marva Dawn, who's this, she's this amazing uh, theologian, she breaks down this verse this way and says that psalms are the hymns that Jesus sang. And that's why they're, they're canonized in our scripture and we see them in the Bible and we have them to refer and be able to look back on. This, these are the songs Jesus was singing. And hymns are the songs that were born from the church that became globally or universally known. And then spiritual songs are the unique expressions of the local church that may not have gotten to hymn status, being universally known, but are known within the context of that church body. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, many of you are probably familiar um, with the song... Uh, Oh, first let me give you this quote, because I love this quote. This is probably one of my favorite quotes of all time. Music is God's gift to man, the only art of heaven 
given to earth and the only art of earth we take to heaven. No disrespect to graphic artists and painters and things like that, but music has this special place in our faith. Music has this special place because we see it in heaven and we see it on earth, and the two get to commingle when we sing. And so this unique expression within the local church is played out uh, really well in the story of the song uh, Heart of Worship. Uh, many of you know that song by Matt Redman. It's probably been about 15 years now since that song came out. But the story behind it is powerful. Millions of churches around the globe have sung that song and been led into deeper places of reflection and worship. And that has been powerful, but it'll never mean the same thing to them as it does to that church in England when it was born. Because you see, their church, with Matt Redman at the helm, obviously, this incredible songwriter, musician, leading this church into, uh, in songs, they began to worship songs. They began to worship music. And they had kind of a, you know, a leadership got together and said, hey, this is becoming an idol. It's what was beautiful is now corrupting us. And so we, we, need to, we need to take a break. And they pulled the plug and literally fasted from music. And I don't know how long that season was, but they didn't sing. And they didn't use music. And just said, we need to prioritize our God in heaven is who we worship, not the songs that we sing to point us to him. And from that time of fasting, of silence, of not singing, came this song that said, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, Jesus. Now we can engage in that song and we can even be edified and encouraged by that story. But every time that church body sings that song, what do you think happens? They are reminded of what God did. They are reminded of the story and the journey that they went through. And they, it, is, it is a call to action to say never again will we do that, as well as a reminder to keep their priorities on Jesus alone. I want to be a church that has stories like that. I want to be a church that has songs that represent the unique things that he's doing in our midst because the stories are unique. Your story, our story collectively is beautiful and unique. And so uh, the last series that we did, um, the Old Testament series, not somewhere in between, the one before that, when we were doing the, the Old Testament stories, one of the, the titles of the message that Troy wrote was called The Rescuer, and it was the story of Joseph. And that, that title just jumped out at me. And so I began to take an attempt at, at, at writing <laughs> a song. And I shared it with our staff during uh, one of our staff meetings one time. And it's amazing how God can take a song and, and use it beyond the author's intent. Because, again, I wrote it out of trying to, like, songwrite. And I was captivated by that, the story of Joseph and, and the title, The Rescuer. And, and I sang this song. And uh, Mark Beasley came up to me and said, Bobby, thank you for sharing that song. Because my family's been in this, you know, crazy season with him being in Germany and them being here and, and crying out to God for help. And he said, your song just reminded me how God rescued us from that. We were, and now we're able to, you know, be together and, and they're here. And, 
So I just was like, wow, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I had, I had no idea. So anyway, I uh, just wanted to share this song with you that I uh, wrote called The Rescuer. <clears throat> Thanks, and, uh, and 
I'm excited about this season because uh, we have a lot of really talented musicians and, you know, Barb writes songs and Sylvia writes songs and I'm trying to write songs and, and I really hope, so this is kind of like a, I'm, I'm throwing this out there and I'm asking for both like accountability as well as for like help. I want to be a church that has its unique songs and so I want to see some albums done that are unique to what God is doing here and of what God's doing in you and in us. And we've got songs that capture those things. And so, again, that's kind of a promise and as well as a scary request for accountability to ask about that. And be like, hey, how's the albums coming? <laughs> so as we transition into this kind of last phase, we're to sing. The church's response and the call is to sing. 69 times in the Psalms, we are commanded to sing. Singing is praying. When one sings, one prays twice. While singing in the front of the Lord, we are in touch with the deepest center of our heart. Whatever moves there comes out before our Creator as a loving offering to Him. The emotions of joy, grief, anger, frustration pour out in the presence of the Lord, in loving trust and total self-surrender. Notice that nowhere there's an evaluation of the singing. <laughs> That's not part of the conversation. In that moment, though, we feel the gentle touch of the divine wiping away the tears from our eyes, and we are filled with a new hope in the Almighty, guiding our destiny. Singing together is praying together. Brothers and sisters in deep communion with each other in the overflow of God. That's St. Augustine, so this is not a new idea. This has been around for a long time, the idea of the church singing together to engage God and get to those deeper places. John Calvin says that singing subdues the fallen heart, retrains wayward affections, that it's an extension of prayer. It lifts the believer to God. It amplifies the effect of the word upon the heart. It multiplies the spiritual energy of the church. I guess you can put it, well, and then you could just look at this. It says, it's what, it, what singing accomplishes is it forces us to remember words. I don't know about any of you are like me, but like the, the idea of memorizing scripture is like, oh, geez, and I just can't do it. But when we sing songs, it's amazing how many song lyrics we can remember. It connects the dots in our brains so that we can actually remember these words. It's like praying twice. It engages the words emotionally, and it expresses our unity. So engaging the words emotionally uh, is, this is a kind of a, a comical example, but it's, it's true. Because we can say things that are true conversationally that don't have the same impact when we sing them together. So if I were to get up here in front of you and just say, Oh, Lord, my God, when I'm in awesome wonder and consider all the works you've done, I, I see the stars and I, and I hear the rolling thunder, and I think, my God, how great you are. So then sings my soul, my Savior, my God to thee. All true, Right? But how much different is it when the church together is going, then sings my soul, 
Savior God to thee. It's a different experience with truth. It's a different encounter that invites us all in and says yes. So it engages the heart and the truth of what is being said. We are supposed to be singing. Exodus 15.2 says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. Wait a minute. Back up. The Lord is my strength and my song? He's my song? What does that mean? We've been talking all this time about how music points us to him. Music is, is this expression that we get to use that leads us to deeper places of encountering him. But here in Exodus, he says, he's my song? How does that work? And what does that mean? In Zephaniah, I'm sure all of you are very well acquainted with the book of Zephaniah, right? Zephaniah says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. God singing? God singing over us with a song? In that that Caleb Scogin blog entry that I was reading when he was talking about the experience of beauty is meant to point us to something that which is behind the beauty. So here we see we pull back the veils of that which is beautiful and what we find is God singing a song over us. And we get to join in that song. There might not be any other greater expression or tool that we have than singing praises to God that connects us to him because he's singing over us. And so as we go into a time of communion right now, uh, again, I know that people are coming here from all kinds of spiritual journeys, and we love that because you, in, you enrich the conversation with your doubt or with your unsuredness it drives us all to deeper places. And when we celebrate communion, the body representing, or the bread representing the body of Jesus, the juice representing his blood that was shed for us, we are all uh, driven to remember. Jesus said, every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And so if you haven't made a profession of faith, that's okay. You don't have to just go through the motions and do it. It's for those of us that have said, yes, we're on this crazy journey of trying to surrender our lives to Christ. And we don't do a very good job at it, but we do this to remember that he sacrificed for us and it keeps us marching forward. And when we do that, we often use songs. Because again, the song will help connect the dots of our heart and give us language and give us words. And so as I was looking through songs to sing, I kind of found this amazing song that captures all that we've been talking about in kind of an unlikely source, Switchfoot. Switchfoot wrote this song, not Mandy Moore. Switchfoot wrote it, <laughs> called Only Hope. And in that, it says, there's a song that's inside of my soul, and it's the one that I've tried to write over and over again. 
And I'm awake in the infinite cold, saying, I, I realize what's going on around me. But you sing to me over and over again, this Zephaniah passage. So I lay my head back down, and I lift my hands and pray to be only yours. Music and singing in the experience of beauty as sacrifice, of giving of myself. Sing to me the song of the stars, of your galaxy dancing and laughing again. When it feels like my dreams are so far, sing to me of the plans that you have for me. Referencing Jeremiah, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And I give you my apathy. I'm giving you all of me. And I want your symphony singing all that I am. And at the top of my lungs, I'm giving it back. This is the perfect way to capture all that we're talking about and the role of music and how we can respond. And so as you go to communion, just let this be the sentiment and, and the heartbeat behind why we celebrate and how we go about doing that. So let's pray. God, thank you for being a God that sings a song over us and help us to engage with you using song, using relationship, using this church. And so God, we give you our apathy. We give you our all. And we ask for your symphony to sing over us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a song that's inside my soul. It's the one that I've tried to write over and over again. I'm awake in the infinite cold. And you sing to me,
Let's end our time with singing a song that I know that you know. So, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh.
And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near, and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forever. Oh, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship His soul. want to thank Bobby and Sylvia and the team for sharing uh, with honesty and transparency and vulnerability. I don't think we'll ever think about music the same after today, so thank you for that. Um, one thing that Bobby said, uh, music elicits response and reaction. So some of you today, there might be um, something in your heart um, that's moving that elicits response. And just want you to know that we'll have elders or a pastor up by the crosses up front here. So if you need to talk or pray with somebody, um, there's somebody here for you. And to remind you, too, that the Connection Lounge is open in the back if you're looking for ways to get connected. A couple of announcements before we go. Leadership launch is coming up on September 19th. That's for all our current leaders and anybody here who's interested in, in diving in deeper and getting connected here at church. It's from 9 to 3. Child care is um, provided, but we do need you to register so we can plan for the child care and food. And so there's a kiosk out in the lobby if you have questions.